0: So today, I want to tell you about the single most effective thing I've ever seen or tried in my whole life to deal with sexual sin and temptation. I've implemented this idea in my own life. Pofo and I have implemented it in our marriage. And I've taught this to others, ranging from youth to young adults, to married couples. Nothing I've seen or tried in 35 years of being a Christian even comes close to this. And it's something called guardrails. Now, I didn't come up with this idea. This idea came out of an Andy Andy Stanley sermon series from about 10 years ago. And I was so struck by it It's been with me ever since. Now, we've all seen guardrails. You know, those metal barriers along the road? Here's their official definition. They are a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. Now, you're most likely to find these, these guardrails in dangerous parts of the road, such as bridges, to prevent yourself from plunging to your death, medians to protect you from oncoming traffic and to protect oncoming fra- traffic from you, and also curves where there can be unexpected changes in the road. And see, guardrails do two things they direct and protect. They direct and protect. They direct us toward safe areas and protect us from dangerous ones. The other interesting thing about guardrails is where they are placed. You see, guardrails are never placed in the danger zone. Guardrails are always placed in the safety zone a few feet away from danger. See, if there were no guardrails on bridges we could drive closer to the edge of bridges. But you know what, we can't. There's a railing there. And nobody seems to protest this idea. Nobody seems to be going, you know, I want to drive closer to that 50 foot drop. That'd be really fun. No, that'd be really stupid. Nobody is arguing that. Everybody is perfectly fine with losing a little bit of the safety zone to protect them from something dangerous. Now, there's another interesting thing about guardrails. Guardrails are designed to minimize damage. They're designed to minimize damage. The people in these pictures would have had much worse days had there not been guardrails. You see, the damage done when you hit a guardrail is minor compared to the damage that could happen if there is no guardrail. You might have to go to the repair shop, but you won't have to go to the hospital or the morgue. Guardrails are designed to minimize damage. So why are we talking about guardrails? Because, you see, the roads aren't the only place where we need guardrails. In fact, most of us could probably admit that when we think back to our greatest regret, when you think about your greatest regret, it probably could have been avoided if you had had some guardrails in your life. Some personal, financial, moral, professional, and yes, even sexual guardrails. Guardrails can prevent our greatest regrets. Now that means that future regrets can be prevented if you are willing to come up with some guardrails for your present self. See, present guardrails can prevent future regrets. And if you have the courage to set up some guardrails now, your future self will thank you. And future generations will thank you. But see, there's a challenge here. The challenge is that modern culture doesn't really encourage guardrails. Some of your friends, family, co-workers, they might even push back on you. They may even push back on some of your guardrails. They might even pressure you and mock you for them. And you know this is true If you've ever been to a Hmong party, not wanting to drink when everybody else is drinking, you know that people will push against your guardrails. And that's the challenge. They're hard, but they're worth it because your future self will thank you. So guardrails direct and protect Nobody needs a guardrail until they do. Nobody needs a guardrail until they do. So this idea of guardrails is not new. We actually see it in both the Old and New Testaments. And so today we're going to look at a little passage in the book of Ephesians, out of Ephesians chapter 5. But first a little bit of context. So Paul, the Apostle Paul, for the previous two chapters, has been warning believers about a bunch of really bad things like greed, lying, anger, sexual immorality. He spends a couple chapters talking about that. And then he also talks about the really painful consequences that come with these behaviors. Things like It gives Satan a foothold into your life. That you can be used and deceived by people. And that your heart can get hardened and closed off from God. Now those are some pretty significant danger zones. Those are worth being protected from. So then the Apostle Paul goes on to explain how the early believers and we, how we can prevent ourselves from running our life into a ditch by understanding guardrails. So he starts off with this. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So he begins with, be careful how you live. Or as some translations put it, be careful how you walk. Now, if you have a big dog and a small yard, you know exactly what Paul is saying. Watch your step because there are doggy landmines all around you. That's what he's saying. Watch your step because life is kind of like that. These days are evil. There are so many ways that you could run your life into a ditch, there are so many ways where you can run your career your marriage, your family, into a ditch. These days are dangerous. You need to watch how you live. Watch where you step. And notice how wisdom is the framework for doing this. He says, be wise. Don't be unwise. Don't be foolish. He doesn't say live by accomplishment. He doesn't say live by enjoyment. He doesn't even say live by love. He says live by wisdom. See, wisdom asks this. In light of my past experiences, my present circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams... What is the wise thing to do? This is an amazingly clarifying question. You might be able to debate in your head what's right and wrong, but what's wise is usually very clear and very obvious. And in light of your past experiences, your present circumstance, And future hopes and dreams. What is the wise thing to do? See, wisdom is how you make the most of every opportunity. Wisdom is how you avoid making foolish decisions. Wisdom is how you'll understand what God's will is in your life. So then he gives a guardrail. He gives a guardrail example of this. See, remember that the guardrail is one thing that keeps you from another much worse thing. And that's what he says. So next he says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to... I'll just pause there. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to... (coughs) So, when you hear this, I want you to fill in the blank. Do not get drunk, which leads to. What comes to mind? Anything come to mind? Anyone come to mind? Do you know anyone, maybe even you, who would have benefited from a guardrail, do not get drunk? Do you have any experiences in your own life that could have been avoided, regrets that could have been avoided if you had had a guardrail? Do not get drunk. See, it's not not just a fun night out. It starts out as a fun night out until someone gets punched in the face, until someone wrecks a car, until someone realizes that all their friends have stopped drinking, but they can't. It's a fun night out until it's not anymore. Now, before we move on, I want to say one more thing about drinking. If more than one person has ever told you, you drink too much, you do. If more than one person has ever told you, you drink too much, you do. You do. Now, let's get back to Paul. That got really heavy there for a moment. So, here's how the the Apostle Paul fills in that blank. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to a word we never use anymore, debauchery. Now, debauchery is a word, it means living recklessly, without concern for consequences. It means it's wild living, it's indulgence, and it comes from a loss of self-control. That can be alcohol, lust, greed, anger, power, food, whatever. But fundamentally, debauchery comes out of a loss of self-control. And see, this is exactly why guardrails are so important. The guardrails protect us from handing over control of our lives to someone or something else destructive. And see, so here's a picture of what Paul is saying. Wine is not the problem. Debauchery is the problem. Handing over control of your life, of your will, of your behavior, of your thoughts, of your words, of your actions. handing over control of your life to someone or something else, destructive. That's the problem. That's the danger zone. Do so you know what Paul says? Let's set up a guardrail. Don't get drunk. Don't crash into this guardrail. And that guardrail is meant to protect you from something a whole lot worse. Set up a guardrail. The guardrail might hurt you, but what's on the other side could kill you. Now, Paul closes with an alternative. He says, instead... Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he gives a couple verses elaborating what that looks like. See, the issue here is influence, control. Who or what will you allow to have control or influence over your life? See, God wants to play that role because he loves you. He wants the best for you. He is on your side. He wants to make you whole and holy because that's how he created you. He wants to be the one to influence you. And that's why debauchery, giving yourself over to something that is destructive is so dangerous. Because it takes the place that God wants to be in your life. So, nobody plans to wreck their life any more than they plan to wreck their car. Nobody plans to wreck their career. Nobody plans to wreck their marriage. Nobody plans to wreck their health. The problem is, we just don't plan not to. Guardrails are how you plan not to wreck your life. Guardrails, nobody needs a guardrail until they do. Got it? Get a picture of guardrails? Good, because now I'm gonna hand this off over to Kong and he's gonna take guardrails and apply them into our sexuality and our sex lives.